You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the history of the Jets Nation podcast. We're going to talk about the last few games for the Jets, and of course, look ahead to the trade deadline. Well, you might be wondering today, why are they talking about their podcast? It's the middle of the season. It's not like at the end of the year. It's not any big anniversary. Why would they discuss the history of their podcast? Well, we have some sad news here on the Jets Nation podcast. Uh, Good for all of Winnipeg, I guess. Uh, But Kyle has moved to Winnipeg. And his job here in Portage is over as of today. Yeah, today's my last day, actually, so... That's sad because that means you're no longer going to be commuting to Portage where we record the podcast, which means this is our last in-person podcast, at least for now, as far as we can see into the future. Yeah, for the foreseeable future, this is the last time I'm going to be in the studio with you here uh, in Portage La Prairie. Um, The good news is for all of our hockey fans out there, uh, we are still going to be continuing the podcast, so don't worry too much yet. Oh, good. Whew. So it'll just be a slightly worse quality over the phone, uh, something like that, instead of uh, in studio where you can hear us so nicely. So you get me in crystal clear audio and Kyle in staticky fuzz. So Which is unfortunate because people want to listen to me anyways. So. Exactly. There's going to be outrage. People are going to be upset. Why do we hear more of Cody? We want him to be the staticky one. But... I digress. But you've got actually some stats from our past episodes as we look back at the Jets Nation podcast. Yeah, so it's actually been a long time. Uh, it's actually, um, do you know when we started offhand? Well, I think we started, I, we didn't start at the beginning of the season. We started mid-season, didn't we? That's, and that's correct, yes. Not last season, but the season before? The season before that, even. So we've been doing this for almost three years. Exactly. So our first ever podcast, it was a trade deadline special, and that was a trade deadline of 2016. So we had 2017, 2018. This is now 2019's trade deadline coming up. So it actually is an anniversary, basically. So it's almost an anniversary. Uh, That podcast was actually released on March the 3rd, 2016. That was our our first ever podcast. How many podcasts do you think we've done since then? Well, oh man. So I'm going to say we've been doing about one per week, but we've missed a few weeks here and there. And sometimes uh, we were going every other week during the summer. So I'm going to say we are doing, I'd say we're probably close to 100. Very close, actually. Um, if I had calculated out this before, um, we would have had our 100th anniversary, actually, a couple months ago. Oh, man, we missed it. We missed it. Didn't even think of it. I didn't realize you we were quite actually that high. Um, we are actually done, we have done 111 podcasts since 2016. Wow. So this is our 112th right now. The number doesn't mean much, but it's almost our three-year anniversary. So there you go. Um, a couple it's other, been a good run. It's been a great run. A couple other things. I figured... Um, I, I know I love stats. Um, our average podcast is roughly 20 minutes long. That means you spent 2,220 minutes listening to us. Whoever is listening right now, you're spending a few more. Uh, that equals 37 straight hours or one and a half days straight of listening to me and Cody talk. So if you went into the back catalog, you could spend a full day of just Jets Nation back to back. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a day? That would be fun. Um, so our first ever episode, like I said, we talked about the trade deadline. The second ep- second ever episode was talking about the World Cup. It was World Cup rosters. Those were coming out at the time in 2016. Uh, we talked about the ethics of tanking, and then we did a playoff preview for our first four or five ever podcasts. I remember, I feel our first few podcasts, we got a lot more heated and passionate than we have lately. 
I think it's because of the losing. Losing breeds passion and fire. When everybody's winning, you don't get quite as angry as you do when you're losing. Well, it's funny that you say that because my next point was um, seeing the evolution of the Jets team in that time. I was looking back in 2016. Uh, it was the next season, the 2016-2017 season. Uh, we had one called Lack of Scoring. That was just the title of the podcast. Jets couldn't score a goal at the start of the season. Um, we had one, the next episode was called Powerless Power Play. It, it was a, a, a something you couldn't even fathom this season. I mean, yes, we've had our struggles, but not to the degree of two years ago, um, when or three years ago, sorry, when we started this podcast. So just seeing the evolution of the team, exactly like you said, I uh, just find that interesting. Um, also, before we started podcasting, or when we started podcasting, Blake Wheeler wasn't even the captain yet. Still Andrew Ladd, because I remember the whole debate about what do we do with Ladd? Do we trade him? Do we keep him? Do we get rid of Bufflin? That was the big thing. We had some heated debates. Yeah, we actually talked about Jacob Truba's contract um, the first go-round when he had the interesting, what was he going to do, signing the two-year deal. Now, two years later, we talked about it again last season. And we'll probably still talk about it again coming up. He's just that kind of guy, Jacob Truva is. But yeah, we've had a lot of fun on the show over the last couple of years. Definitely some interesting moments. Um, great fun looking at the evolution of the team and just seeing some of those topics and how maybe unrelatable they are today um, looking back. Because I remember that first season we did it, that that was the a year or two removed from when they made the playoffs the first time against Anaheim. And so they made the playoffs and then there was that regression and the team got younger and we kind of started in amongst that of that frustration of going backwards it felt like and I remember going into the not this season but the season before when we were talking about what do the Jets need to do to make the playoffs and you were saying oh they're not going to make the playoffs I may gave reasons why they were and then they'd made enough moves and then now it just completely flipped on its head not this season but last season going from a team that's kind of on the bubble to now a true legitimate contender and this season that's all the talk is how the Jets are one of the best teams in the league a true contender their window is now uh, it's really crazy how fast that, that can shift in just a three year span well exactly and thinking back to when we first started Patrick Laine wasn't even drafted yet he was a total afterthought in Winnipeg, everywhere. Everybody knew he was going to go, well, at that point, he was almost going to go number three to Jesse Pugliarvi uh, at, at that point in time. Um, but nobody knew what was going on. And that was the year that um, Winnipeg got the the second overall pick and picked Line. A. But looking back, Pavlik was the goalie for a year when we did the podcast. There's all these sorts of things where with players that aren't here anymore, players that have moved on. Just interesting to see that evolution of the team in just a few short years. My son had just been born. You weren't even married when we started. Were you? No, I I was still single. I was engaged at the time when we started. But yeah, that was before I was married as well. So definitely some life changes here on the show as well. So it's been tons of fun over the past few years and hopefully have a few years more in us. Yeah, so we'll see how this goes and we'll see how this is going to work. Obviously, with Kyle starting a new job uh, in Winnipeg and so me still being here in Portage at the radio station, at least one of us will have uh, a radio quality audio and then we'll have to try and work something out and we'll obviously play with things and try and get it as uh, best as we possibly can as we move forward with the Jets Nation podcast. We've had different guests over the years. We've had Hustler from TSN's joined us. Garrett Hole joined us uh, at the beginning. Jets Nation has had a completely different look from the old old kind of like dark everything looked black yeah if you guys remember that old format it was 
It was interesting to say the least. Definitely a big upgrade coming a couple of years ago. Uh, we've gone through a few managing editors as well. Garrett Hole, the original. Uh, Jacob Stoller took a turn for a while. Um, he was in there, did some great things for the site as well. Uh, now we're led by Game Time Art, a fantastic leader right now as well. So definitely... It's been fun over the last few years with all these sorts of things going on. But yeah, definitely. Uh, you had an interview with Jason Kasdorf, a player who's played in the NHL, um, albeit I think one game or so. Yeah. Um, but still, a, a former Portage Terrier. Jets draft pick. Exactly. So we've had some great ter- times on the show with different um, players, um, different uh, personalities, things like that. So yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be fun to see where it's going to be going in the next couple of years. Yeah, who knows what we'll bring. Maybe Kyle will be going all the games now that he's in Winnipeg and will be able to get us inside scoops and fun things like that. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, so that's enough about us and our podcast. You guys want us to talk about the Jets, and that's where we're going to go next, taking a look at the last couple of games. All right, so the last couple of games for the Jets haven't been the greatest, although when we look a little bit further back to that, they were on a winning streak and now a bit of a losing streak, two games in a row. Uh, your thoughts on the last few, Kyle, as you sip your Timmies? Yeah, roll up the rim starting, so uh, definitely a lot more Tim Hortons going on. We are not sponsored by Tim Hortons, although we would gladly do that if they yeah, were to exactly. approach us. Um, yeah, the, the games have not been great for the Winnipeg Jets. Speaking of the last two, uh, the game against Montreal was... Let's talk about Anaheim first, because that was a lot happier than these okay, last two. Okay, we'll start two. on a happy note. So start on a Anaheim happy note. Anaheim coming to town, the Jets absolutely demolished them. I watched that game, and I, was, I watched it right from the start. I was at my in-laws for that, and what a game. Six goals in the first period, setting the team record for most goals in the first. I was really hoping that they'd set the league record for most goals in a game, which I looked up, I'm pretty sure is 14. Uh, and that was from way back, I think in the 20s or something. It's been a while. And so when you see them score six in the first, you're thinking, okay, history is being made here tonight. And I was hoping they'd break the team record, which is nine goals, and they were able to tie it. But it's still fun to see that kind of offense. Yeah, definitely. And and it was interesting. It was one of those games where everything just goes in the net. And, and that's what the first period was. Yeah, they outshot Anaheim. Yes, they outplayed Anaheim. But still, you're not going to score on six out of 12 or 14 shots. You just can't. And... and Yes, you can do it for a period. Chances are you're not going to do that all game. And obviously they didn't do it for the rest of the game, only scoring three in the in the uh, second and third periods. Um, but but still, it was a good effort for the Jets. When you get out to a, such a big lead like that, sometimes it's tough to play the second and third period. And we kind of saw that. Anaheim had that push in the second period, scored a few quick ones. Jets kind of calmed it right back down, scored a few in response. So I think it was a good game for Winnipeg. You need one like that every once in a while just to, to have a night off, essentially, for the <clears throat> for the top guys. Yeah, and so then that allows the fourth line and the third line to play a lot more when you're up by that <laughs> such a wide margin. Uh, and so then, but out of that game, actually, you've uh, heard an interesting story about some Anaheim fans who are in the building. Yeah, so apparently news kind of coming out now as Anaheim has continued their road trip, has went from Winnipeg to Toronto to Montreal to Ottawa. Um, so there was a couple who just got engaged, or sorry, just got married. Um, they're from California, big Anaheim Ducks fans. You might have saw them in Winnipeg if you were at the game, uh, holding a big sign saying they were on a, on their honeymoon, they were on a road trip following the Ducks, um, just kind of as a as a unique idea for them after they got married. Um, I feel like that would be something that I would want to do after I got married, follow the Jets around, but my wife wouldn't be on board. Well, especially and so it's kind of a cool idea. So these people are from California. Yeah, of all places. And it is the coldest winter in history or in the last several years. We've got temperatures that we haven't seen, 
I think in my lifetime. Yeah, I can't remember minus fifty with so the wind chill. These California people coming up to Winnipeg f- just for that, and it's been nasty in Ontario as well. So that's in itself maybe a bad decision on their part. Definitely. Then you get to see a ninety-three game. You get to see your team absolutely shellacked in game one. Okay, well let's move on tr- to Toronto. You lose six-one again. Uh oh. You move to Montreal, you lose again. You move to Ottawa. Okay, Ottawa's last in the league. We got these guys. No, you lose four zip. Just a horrendous road trip for Anaheim. They have two wins, I think, in their last 52 days. It's just been an unreal bad run by the Ducks. It feels so bad for these fans on their honeymoon. Can it get really much worse for them? Well, you said James Duthie actually is getting them a legitimate trip because a trip through Canada in the middle of winter following a losing hockey team is kind of a lousy trip. Yeah, so uh, details are kind of coming out now. I was reading this morning. Looks like James Duthie is kind of on board trying to get these guys with an actual trip um, to some some nice warm islands, a nice vacation for them. Hopefully he can get that for them because uh, it's, like you said, it's not been fun for the Anaheim Ducks lately. Uh, they're just an absolute mess right now. Now for the Winnipeg Jets, the last couple of games haven't been that much fun either. Uh, on Tuesday against San Jose, that game looked not bad. I think the Jets played okay. Uh, San Jose did have quite a few chances, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, but the Jets were winning one nothing. San Jose tied. Jets go up 2-1. And I looked to go up 3-1, but then the goal was disallowed. What do you think about that offside call? Do you get frustrated at all? Because it is the right call when you look at the replay. Yeah, I guess it is right. But it's still frustrating as a fan. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think one of the tough things, specifically on that one, is... The blue line is so wide compared to the puck. So when you have it where, so the puck has to cross the front of the blue line to be in the zone, right? So Jacob Trubo was on the blue line, but not over the front of the blue line, which caused Blake Wheeler to be offside. So that's one of the issues is that the line's so long and the puck's not. So the, the player gets the puck onto the blue paint, thinks, oh, I'm fine. Well, in this case, he wasn't and it caused the offside. Regardless, the NHL need. We've talked about this before. The NHL just needs to do something to make it easier to review, either that or make it tougher to review. Take away the cameras. Take away the the angles. So it's. No, I don't think there's no gonna, point. They're not going to take away the cameras. Let's be real here. They're not going to take away technology because the whole goal is to get it right, right? And and so like they don't want to take away technology. I don't think that's going to ever happen. The issue is I've been a proponent of, yes, you want to get the call right. And I've said this before. There are times where a referee let would let something go due to the circumstances. What I mean by that, there was a play in that game, or maybe it was the Montreal game, where it, it looked to me that Cop was offside. Andrew Cop on the fourth line. Lemieux was coming into the zone. The reason he was offside was that the opposing team physically pushed him offside. So Andrew Kopp was kind of riding the line. The San Jose guy just conveniently gets in the way of Kopp and pushes him over the blue line right before the puck. Right. The referee sees that, oh, is that an interference call, penalty? Well, no, not really. It's out of the play. It wasn't a real hit. It was just kind of a nudge to put him offside. The referee says, well, it's not a penalty, but you can't really do that, so I'm not going to call the offside, and they went in onside. Had that play been reviewed, you would have seen Cop went over the line, the puck crossed half a second later, oh, offside, technically, due to the the rule, it's offside. Little things like that. You see it in the NBA all the time. Whose hand did it go off last before it went out of bounds? If two guys are fighting for it, seem to tip it at the same time, chances are they'll give it to the defensive team. When you technically look at it, it may have come off the defensive guy's hand 
just a fraction of a second later, but at real speed, you would just give it to that team. That's just what you do. Once you're getting it right and you're getting these little ticky-tack, half a millimeter, half a fraction of a second, I think it goes overboard. No, I'm right there with you that I, I, it does go overboard. The whole goal of this is to get rid of the egregious, and that's what they always talk about. But what they're doing is they're slowing down the game, and they're trying to pick up the fine minutiae, the very small little offside, when clearly the play was not as a result of that offside. When you're in the zone for a full minute and, and a half... And that's what happened for the Jets. Exactly. There's so much momentum and so much game time comes off the clock, and then they score... And then you go all the way back to a minute and a half say, oh, no, that can't be a goal because a minute and a half ago they didn't get, come in by a fraction of a millimeter. Again, it's just technical, but again, I doubt they're going to take away technology. Maybe some kind of change needs to be made. There needs to be more of a judgment in the moment, but I don't know uh, what needs to happen there, whether it's maybe coming from above and they just blow the play down if it's offside by egregious amounts and then there's no reviews at all and there's just a referee who's sitting in the uh, video room. Well, because we, there's t- we've talked about that before. Could yeah. you just have somebody at hockey operations making those calls? And then they're just there with a button on the horn watching the play. And if he's offside by two feet and the linesman doesn't see it, he just blows the horn and then the play stops. Dead and there you go. Exactly. And we've talked about that before for certain things. Because really there's only one or two offsides that have been over the last few years before this replay came installed. There's only a couple offsides that were really people were frustrated with because most that were either called or not called people didn't care because you couldn't really tell you couldn't really notice you weren't focusing on it but now that they are and and they're already doing that for goals that's the other thing yeah if a goal is questionable did it go in did it not go in and play continues you've heard it before where the horn goes in the arena stop the play it was a goal that was in the net yeah so why couldn't you do that for offside and then just don't review offsides exactly definitely an option to look at but we're just venting right now again for the Winnipeg but, Jets. But like they got the call right, and so you can't really complain in that sense that it's just no. And the other thing I have with that is that that's not the reason why Winnipeg lost. No, a- it's at that not. point they were up two one. That was just to put them up three one. So you get that goal disallowed. Yeah, you only have a one goal lead, but you still have a one goal lead. And then to let it slip away in the third period to get scored on while on the power play in overtime. That's more concerning to me than being half a millimeter offside. Oh, absolutely. I and But the frustration as a fan started at that point, having that goal taken away, seeing it get tied up. At least you got a point in overtime. But then Patrick Laine, and there's been so much frustration with him over the last little while, but he turns over the puck in overtime. He had an okay game. He'd had a bunch of shots. His looked like the power play was about to click. Just the way that they were able to get it across to him. He was blasting away. You thought eventually one of these is going to go in. And and then in overtime with the cough up and the basically he cost the Jets the goal because he turned it over. The San Jose Sharks took it down the ice and scored. And so it's very frustrating for the Jets fans. And then the last game against Montreal, it just was not a good game start to finish. They couldn't get anything going offensively or very little. And Montreal was all over them. Yeah, specifically getting out of their own zone was a real struggle for Winnipeg. Usually when Bufflin's back. Um, after being out for long stretches, it it helps the defense get out of their own end. That's one thing he's very good at. He can protect the puck very well. He makes a good first pass, all that sort of thing. Against the Canadians, nobody could get out of their end. It was turnover after turnover. Uh, 
I've been hearing that Montreal have some of the most um, offensive-minded defensemen in the league or, or the defensemen that pinched the hardest in the league. It was very evident when the Winnipeg Jets were playing them. Every time they tried to get the puck up the boards, it was stopped. They tried to get it out the middle, it was stopped. No matter what it was, it was just turnovers, and you can't win a game when you have so many turnovers in your own end. What were your thoughts on seeing Armia back in uh, playing against the Jets? Well, he's been good. Yeah, he's been for not Montreal. bad. Montreal, he, he's playing on the All Finn line, uh, the third line for Montreal. So, do the Jets miss him? Oh yeah, guaranteed, hundred percent. The Jets miss Joel Armia. It, it, can you imagine having him on the fourth line? Well, when Ehlers comes back. Let's say you had your lines like they were. Cop, Ehlers, Armia. And you basically get, get you rid have of that. Or like they used to have, they used to have uh, Perot on the fourth line. You could have Perot, Armia, and Roslevic as your fourth line. Right. And you Ehlers could be, go back to the you and... could go back to the TLC line and then you go Perot, Roslevic in the middle, and you could have But I would definitely take Brossois over Steve Mason if you were like because of that last deal. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and Brassois has been good and Mason was not, obviously. But still, you hate to see a guy like Joel Armia go just in a pure salary dump like that trade was. You're giving up an asset just to clear a contract off of it. Yeah, exactly. And here's an example of that asset that you give up is obviously uh, hurting the Jets. Or he didn't really hurt the Jets too much in that game, but it's still you just kind of see him on the other side. And so now the Jets have lost two in a row, one in overtime, one in regulation, heading into a matinee. I like afternoon games. We've talked about it. Uh, And so I like the games because I go to bed early. And so having a game starting at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I have plans in the evening so I can still watch the game and still go uh, to the concert in the evening on Saturday. So happy about that. Another afternoon game on Sunday. What's going on with the Jets? Do we, we let's just wrap this up here in this second segment before we get into trade deadline talk. What do the Jets need to do differently? It's only two losses, so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. They're still first in the Central Division. We don't really want to worry about anything like that yet. But what do they need to fix? What needs to change? What needs to happen? Well, there's two things I think. First, you need Ehlers back. He's definitely been a big part. He's, he's been missed. He's been missed a lot more than people realize. And I think a, a ge- that game against Montreal showcased it even more. The Jets looked so slow. They really did against Montreal. Yeah, Montreal was quick. They're not a slow team. Connor's very fast. Wheeler's very fast. Shifley can skate. Um, it feels like they didn't have a lot of room in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. A guy like Nikolai Ehlers, though, he brings that speed. He creates that space. Because of his speed, he, he can get moving quick, he gets up the ice quickly, he can get through that first layer better than most people. And I think a game like that is a time you really miss a guy like Ehlers. Now, I haven't minded the fourth line, and but when you move, when you put Ehlers back in the lineup, everything gets shuffled down. Do you put Ehlers back with Little and Line? I've liked Roslevic's play. Roslevic, I think, has been played well. And so now, with Roslevic going number one power play time, Opposed to line A, that's another dynamic, and that's kind of a whole other conversation change. But with Ehlers coming back into the lineup, and we don't know exactly when he's going to be back, but where do you see everybody getting shuffled down? Does Appleton then come out? Well, that was the other thing. I think the other thing for the Winnipeg Jets that you need is you need to shuffle up your lines. No matter what you do, you just need something different. And not just for line A's sake, but Shifley and Wheeler have not been good over the last several weeks. Their their scoring is way down. Shifley's still scoring, but but their play is way down. Their shot attempts are way down. They're getting outchanced. They're getting outworked. For whatever reason, those two are not working anymore. Maybe they need Ehlers on their wing. Maybe that's what it is. But 
I think you need to shift up the lines. You need to break up Shifley and Wheeler. Try something new. Because you need to know what you've got for a playoff run. You need to know what you can flip to if something's not working in a seven-game series. Because that's going to happen. Somebody's going to shut down the top line. And then what? So I think you need to break up Shifley and Wheeler. You need to put a guy like Line with the guy like Shifley. Shifley drives the play, can get the puck over to Line A. Or you put Wheeler down with Little and maybe Shy- or and uh, Line A on the other side. Maybe you put Rozovic up on the top line, so to speak. Whatever you do, I don't really care. Just do something to change it up. I heard this uh, phrase the other day, and I forget who said it or where I exactly heard it, but it was to this point that Paul Maurice, his focus isn't on making Patrick Laine better and making Patrick Laine feel good. Well, that was his, his interview after the San Jose game. Maybe that was it. His job is to play or get the Winnipeg Jets to win games. That's it. He, if, his, if Patrick Laine is a liability... And if he doesn't make the top line better, why is Paul Maurice going to hinder their chances of winning by putting out a guy who's in a slump on the top line? If Paul Maurice feels that Connor can play better with Shifley and Wheeler on the top line, then he should do that. Because the the whole purpose of the team isn't to get Patrick Liney out of his slump. The whole purpose is to win games. No, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think anybody would disagree with and that. And so getting... Uh, Liney out of his slump will help you win games in the future, but sometimes it's about the here and the now, and you need to just ice the best line possible and the best combination possible to win that game in the moment. Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> you coach to win the game, and that's it, right? But Liney scoring is your best chance to win. Yes. He is your best goal scorer. But if he's not goal scoring, then you're so that- hurting the team by trying to force something to try and get a player to play better. I understand that, but if he's not scoring, he's already hurting the team. Correct. So would it not make sense to get him scoring to help the team? But you're taking away scoring that's already there. If the top line's already scoring, you're now taking away scoring in hopes that you might get more scoring. Right, and this is where it comes down to the coaching philosophy. Is, Is it, like you said, do you leave the top line because if one line scoring, that's good enough. Or do you mix it out and hope that everybody else will like, where, where does the positives outweigh the negatives? So Patrick line is not scoring. If you put him on the fourth line. Okay. Well, that's fine. You, you, you lessen the negative, but would it be better to switch it up? Would it be better to get the depth scoring? And that's where it goes back to, do you load one line, have one line score three goals, or do you want your first line, second line, third line, each scoring one goal? What's better? I've normally been a proponent of spreading the wealth and spreading the depth. And so now it's the question of where do you put everybody? Now, because the fourth line's been playing pretty well as a unit over the last couple of games. Patan seems so far removed from this conversation, just with the way things have been staying consistent over the last handful of games. Rozovic's been playing well, but if Ehlers comes back, where does he go? Line A hasn't been playing well. Should he be moved around? The third line is one line that doesn't really get moved around a lot. But they're not scoring. But they're not really scoring a lot either. So that's the thing. You have three lines currently not scoring. Over the last two games, yeah. So I would argue that the best way to win the game would be to get Line A going again. But again, it's the three lines not scoring when they scored nine on Saturday. 
It's just right. two games that haven't been. Yes, it, exactly. But it, it wasn't the top line, really. Shifley didn't no, score. No, it was all the depth players I don't believe scoring. Shifley even had a point. Line A didn't score. It, it was these depth players that were getting those goals. So you still have a problem in your top six. Regardless of scoring nine goals, there's still a problem in the top six. Right. And so now, what? So your line, your proposal was to have uh, Shifley and Wheeler split well, up. Well, here's my thought. Give us your line combinations. My, Give us your four lines. Top line, you have Perot, Shifley, Line. Okay. Two guys that can retrieve the puck, one guy that puts the puck in the net. Simple. Second line, you have Ehlers or Connor, Little and Wheeler. Little and Wheeler have been good together forever. You stick Connor or Ehlers, the other fast guy on their wing, perfect. Third line, you can go back to your TLC if you want. Um, I would do that probably. And then fourth line, you put Connor or Ehlers with Roslevic with fill in the blank. So let's say Patan, but that's never going to happen. I would say Appleton. So you go with the skilled fourth line, fast, skilled, Roslevic, Ehlers, Appleton. Super quick, fast, fourth line style. That's what I would do. I don't know if they want to put Roslevic down the middle right away again. He's been having a lot of success on the no, wing. And that's why my other thought was, so you leave Kopp as the fourth line center. Let's say on that third line with Lowry and Tanev, you put a guy like, would Brendan Lemieux fit there? Uh, yeah, probably. Right? He plays a, a fast game like Tanev. And he can play their style. He can play their style. Perfect. So then fourth line, you have Ehlers, Kopp, and Roslevic as your fourth line. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Gives it a little bit more balance. And then your 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 lines are balanced. You have a scorer mixed with some speed, mixed with some playmaking on each line to kind of spread it out. I think that gets line A going again. I think that gets keeps Little going as well. It gets Ehlers back in the lineup. I think it does pretty much everything you need for the Winnipeg Jets. One last question before you about the power play for the Winnipeg Jets. Last game, they finally went away from line A on the power play. They had Rozovic on that first unit. He'd been scoring on the second unit. He got actually a pretty good chance uh, in uh, early in the game on the power play, kind of in that slot area where Shifley had been. But what do you think of that? Is that a sign? Is that a signal to line A? Well, it is. People were Huge. saying it wasn't, but it was. Uh, the dumb thing, people were saying, well, it's because Rozovic was playing well. Okay, fine. Well, that's part of it. Part of it. That's, and he, I he's, that's that. why he's the guy going in. Right, but the, the, one of the problems I have with that is he was scoring... Where? On the second unit. On the second unit. So why would you move the unit that's producing? Why would you switch that? Why wouldn't you just give them more ice time? Exactly. Why wouldn't you start the second unit on the power play instead of the first unit? If they're the ones scoring all the goals, which they have been. Rozovic scored your last four power play goals. Why move them to a whole different unit? That plays a different style. That plays a totally different style. If you're going to try to ride the hot hand... Let him do it with his teammates and line mates that he was doing it with. You wouldn't have, let's say, line A scores a hat trick on the second line. You don't move him to the first line the next game. That's ridiculous. Yeah, right. No, yeah, you all. Yeah, line A scored eighteen in November. Did he move up to play with Shifley and Wheeler to reward him? No, he stayed on that line because it was producing. So people are saying, "Oh, it's an opportunity because he was playing well." That's just garbage. Because if he's playing well, he's playing well with his unit, you would keep that unit together. Right. And so part of it is that they're trying to 
get send a message to line A or maybe get him on a different power play with a different look, maybe try and get something going there. And so not only help him with a different look, but also uh, potentially give a different look to the top unit that wasn't scoring. And so, and we saw the top unit a little bit against Montreal. Yeah. I, I think there's one power play there. I really liked having Shifley in line A spot. It was a whole different dynamic because every time the puck goes to line A, you know one thing is happening. He's shooting the puck. When the puck goes to Shifley, he can shoot. He he dished it down to Connor very well a couple of times. And then that pass can come back into the middle and for Rosvick. And then Rosvick. the passes come back in for Rosvick. That's where he got that chance, was just kind of working it around. It gives it a whole different dynamic because when a, a team is playing Winnipeg, they know what's happening. It goes from Wheeler and it goes to Bufflin, Line A, or Shifley. And that's it. But now when you work it to the other side, Shifley has the puck. It can go, yeah, you don't have the Bufflin one-timer. You don't have that one-timer in the middle. But it's just a whole different point of attack that I like Shifley in that spot more than, not more so than line A, because nobody shoots it like line A, but it's a different look that I think you could put line A in the middle where Rosnovic was in that power play, and it'd be a whole different look to that unit. I think, if, it was getting a little, Shifley, I think it was getting a little bit stagnant the way it was, and which is why I think the scoring had kind of slowed down compared to the start right, of the year. Right, I totally agree. And the other thing is they're putting line A in the middle on the second unit in Shifley's spot. So why wouldn't you just keep them on the top line, move Shifley and Line A, switch those spots, and then it's exactly like you have it anyways. Just a head-scratching move from Paul Maurice. I don't understand this one. I'm a fan of Paul Maurice. This one just does not make sense to me. All right, so that does it for segment number two. We've got one left. We're going to quickly touch on the trade deadline, but we got to go. All right, as we start segment number three, Kyle starts his roll up the rim to win. And so this is like breaking news. Everybody on the edge of their seat, you are what, one for one right now with your cups? Yeah, the first one I played, I want a coffee. Uh, this one is not a coffee. What is it? Is it a car? It is a please play again. All right, you get to play again. Congratulations. So uh, so there you go. Kind of disappointment, kind of a dud, kind of like uh, the last game for the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, hopefully things will turn around. Trade deadline coming up, lots of talk, and it's always fun. I love it when our team is in the trade rumors and not as sellers because then there's always more excitement. You never know what's going to come. Is there going to be a trade being uh, broken as we speak? And So what do you think is going to happen here for the Winnipeg Jets heading into the trade deadline? Let's go two scenarios. What do you think is going to happen and what do you want to happen? So first, I'm going to preface this by saying the NBA just had their trade deadline the other day. What a deal by the Raptors. It was absolutely phenomenal to see the trades being made. I think the NHL needs to take a page out of the NBA's playbook and actually make some deals. Well, it's a different system in the NBA and there's different rules. I understand that, but seeing the amount of star players being moved, former number one picks from not even that long ago, a couple years ago, um, Philadelphia trading that one away. Um, the Raptors bringing in an all-star, trading away several players. There's multiple teams that traded for players and flipped those players all in the span of a day. So much going on. Seems like way more than what the NHL does on their deadline. But once again, different systems. I just like the the shuffling mentality in the NBA. Something's wrong, we're fixing it. Simple as that. We're a seller. We sell off five different players. Boom, done. We sold. Not, oh, we're going to sell one of our guys that's a UFA at the end of the year anyways for a fourth-round pick. Oh, we sold. Great. No, the NBA, we're flipping half our team. That's what I did actually in fantasy hockey. One day uh, this last week, I made four fantasy trades in one afternoon. Uh, but again, we don't necessarily want it. I got Mark Shifley. 
that's uh, the end. And I sold basically the rest of my team. But regardless, I think the NHL is scared to trade. I think there's definitely a lot of fear. There is definitely a lot of fear for GMs not wanting to make a bad move, not wanting to give up too early on a player. Does this make us look bad that this player didn't get along with our organization? I I don't know. I think they worry about too much of that stuff sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, but but to your question, um, w- what should the Winnipeg Jets do? And what do you think is going to happen? And what I think is going to happen. What I want to see happen, I want to see Mark Stone in a Winnipeg Jets uniform. Nice. Mark Stone is an unbelievable hockey player. You could argue he's the best person available to, to get at trade deadline day. He's from Winnipeg. I would love to see Mark Stone in a Winnipeg sweater down the road. I would love to see that too. And I think adding a player like his caliber shuffles everybody down again. I think what the Jets need right now, as much as I love the Lowry line with whoever's on his wing, Tanev, and pick a person, I think that needs to be the fourth line for the Jets. If they want to go on a cup run, they need balance. Cop, Lemieux, and Appleton, as much as I've liked their game as of late, and I kind of like their energy and their speed, they aren't going to be enough of depth, in my opinion, to go on a true playoff run. The other option would be to have the third line scoring. Right. If Lowry, Tanev, and Perot are consistently contributing, then they're fine right. as your third line right. offensively. Right now, they're not. And but now you have just these... a defensive shutdown. Exactly. Now you have a shutdown line, and then the fourth line who is just getting lucky and, and scoring is what's happening right now. Basically, yeah, because they are allowing a lot of chances against, but are chipping so in once in a Mark while. So you put Mark Stone with Adam Lowry on the third line. You no, know, you don't put Adam. You don't put Mark Stone. You you put him I, on the top line. People saying Adam Lowry could be the second the second best center for Winnipeg. Well, it's true. You put oh, a sure. defensive okay. player in Stone with a defensive player in Lowry, but. Stone, the great thing about him, he's a defensive player and he scores a point a game. True, okay. So yeah, you, sure. You put a guy who can actually make plays. Then I don't want Tanev on the other wing. I want somebody no, else neither. on the wing. You could put him in Tanev's spot and move Perot and have Perot there. There you go. That's a pretty dangerous third line. That's a fantastic... That's a second line. Exactly. Now that's your second line. Now your third line is... Is little... Little line of healers. Yeah. And, and that's then, your third line. And yeah. that's a dang good third line. Sure is. Watch your language. <laughs> Sorry, but but you know what I mean. Mark Stone instantly transforms your lineup. You put him on the top line, and you bump everybody down. So what's you, the cost to get him? Well, that's the thing. I, I think it's at least Roslevic, and, and go from there. Probably. And the thing for Winnipeg is, if you're going to be resigning him, you need to dump a bunch of salary. You can't just resign him going forward. See, the thing is, I really like Roslevic's game. I feel the last couple of games, he's really been improving. He's getting better. He's no longer just a fringe fourth liner. Uh, He's a guy who legitimately needs to stay in this lineup. I feel that he still has a lot of room to grow. I don't want the Jets to trade him yet. No, I agree. But but let's say... But you need to give something up. You're right. But who are your top four wingers for the Jets? Wheeler, Connor, Line, and Ehlers. Ehlers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so they all if, have their flaws. Ehlers, yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, so so if you bring in Mark Stone, so first of all, Rosovic didn't crack your top four wingers. He didn't, no. And, and you bring in Mark Stone, guaranteed top four winger. Right. Does that not mean it's worth Rosovic? Yeah, you'd think, right? Well, would so then you'd worth, have five top. You'd would have, it be worth Kyle Connor? 
That's the that's the huge well, question, that's, right? That's the thing here. A guy like Mark Stone, he's not just a rental. He might be, but he can be so much more than that. Right. If it's not a rental, if you are keeping him and you can guarantee that you're keeping him, I have no problem trading somebody younger like that because Mark Stone is still not old. He's what, mid-20s? Yeah. He's young enough that you can have him for a long time and be a key piece. If the Jets are going to get him and sign him, great. Can they afford him? I don't know. But I do like, okay, I like where you're going with that. I personally think you do need still another center. And so I'm big on Kevin Hayes. I think they should get somebody like him, whether he plays as your second or third line, and go to three scoring lines, and then Lowry kind of on the checking line that gets lots of minutes. And so I like that option. Yeah, so so for me, what I want to see happen, I want to see Mark Stone. Right. What I think will, or what I don't want to see happen is Matt Duchesne. I think he he's going to be costing way too much for what Agreed. you're going to get from don't him. Don't want Matt Duchesne. What I think will happen is something that we have no idea about right now. Exactly. Kevin Sheveldayoff doesn't tip his hand. It's probably going to be, I think he's going to get a center of some fort, some sort, some form is what I, I said fort, con- combining sort and form. But he's going to get a center that's going to have an impact on this Jets lineup going into the postseason. I saw the trade bait board. The Jets' first overall pick was on the trade bait board. It's, which been, is, it's been climbing steadily over yeah, the last couple Yeah, which is something you don't see very often. But I think it's a great point that it just shows the Jets are willing to move a first-round pick knowing that it's going to be late, hopefully, in the first round and that they can have somebody who can have a real impact up front. That being said, getting rid of your first-round pick every year makes your prospect pool a little bit thinner. It definitely because does. Because we saw last year, your first pick is 60th overall. Well, that's a lot different than 30th. Yeah. Who did we get? Gun- Gunnarsson? Gunstrom? Gustafson. Gustafson. Uh, it's a still a good pickup, but but you have to be so so careful. You have to really hit on a lot of those guys to make it worth it, especially in two or three years' time. If you're still competing for a cup, who's on an ELC that's going to help you? Well, exactly, but the Jets have been hitting on those later round guys, and that's what you need to do if you want to have a legitimate team. Even if you just hit on your first round picks, you're still not going to have success a la Edmonton. They've had first round picks that have been good, but after that, it's been nothing. And so for the Jets, they've got guys like Sherratt was a late pick, Niku was a late pick, and he's not a first round player. Even, but- Adam, sorry, even Adam Lowry was a third round pick. Exactly. Mason Appleton was a later round pick. Uh, all these guys. Brandon Tennant was just a free agent. So Brandon he, Lemieux was a later pick. Brandon Lemieux was very... Oh, no, he was... And no, he, never mind. He was Buffalo. Never mind. First pick of the second round. But still, second round, technically. Yep. But there is these guys where they are contributing, and that's the strength for Winnipeg, is developing their players no matter where they get drafted. Develop, developing them and, and getting them to the NHL, regardless of what they were thought of before the draft. Yeah, so it's just when is Sheveldayoff going to pull the trigger? I think something's going to happen. We just kind of have to wait and see. And if all of a sudden the Jets get a good center and Ehlers back, all of a sudden you've got a that, real... That transforms your lineup. Transforms your lineup. And all of a sudden two guys are going back to the press box. All of a sudden Lemieux and Appleton are back up in the press box. And you've got a legitimate contender on your hands. That's kind of what I'm hoping will happen. But we'll have to wait and see. Again, this was the last podcast of Cody and Kyle in the same studio. Uh, after this, uh, we'll have to wait and see what kind of format uh, we take or how it's going to sound. But uh, changes coming for the Jets Nation podcast. Thank you, everybody, who's been listening for the last few years. It's been a lot of fun. This is not a farewell, but it is just a recognition of the change. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Jets Nation podcast.
Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at jetsnation.ca.